Let's open up our Bibles to 1 John. We are continuing our series through 1 John. We're going verse by verse, teaching the, uh, the passage. Uh-oh. Give me one second, my computer's not turning on. <laughs> there we go. All right. Yeah, so we're going through 1 John, and we've been teaching verse by verse. And uh, today, our, the text for today is 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. And um, <clears throat> last week, we talked about testing the spirits and uh, what that uh, was. We t- got into a little a theology on Satan and kind of how he, he, uh, how he works, right? His plan is to go after the minds of believers, and um, so we have to protect our minds, right? Um, and so, again, he is not hiding behind every bush, but he is actually trying to come after our minds. He is the great deceiver. He is the great liar. But now we see in this next section here that there's an, an abrupt change. Okay? So let's go ahead and read the text, and we can kind of see that. We go from testing the spirits to now uh, here... He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. But this, the love of God, was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that He might live through Him. And this is love Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, we just thank You for today, Lord. I pray that um, our hearts and our minds, Lord, are set aside um, with any distractions, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that... um, um, we learn your word, we, uh, we see the truth that's in it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to go back and evaluate ourselves through the truth, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we test everything that is said today, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. We just thank you for this moment, Lord, to come worship you in the preaching of your word. We pray in your name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so again, we have this abrupt change, okay? It, all, it, it changes um, from testing the spirits to now you know, uh, or, or t- discerning true and false spirits to now uh, this appeal to us again to love one another. We saw a few lessons ago that to love one another is evidence of being a true child of God. Y'all remember that? So the only way we can truly love people in an agape type of love, a sacrificial love that only can be gotten or had from God, Okay. We will see here in a little while that there is really no such thing as true love unless it is found through God. So, again, this agape love can only be truly expressed through the Holy Spirit in us. As Stephen mentioned, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into us. We are sealed, and at that moment, 
we can express this agape love, but this agape love is expressed and is seen the most when believers are expressing it to believers, not to the world, but within the church, okay? When Christ died, the cross was only applied to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Likewise, the agape love can only be expressed in its full meaning when we uh, express it to one another as believers, okay? Because the love that we have for the world is the gospel. It's the condemnation of their sin. And they don't see that as true love, but that's how we mean it, right? They tell us that we are not loving by telling them these things, but that is not the case. In fact, it's the opposite. It's the most loving thing that we could do for them, okay? So again, um, two different worldviews, right? Um, but we have a biblical, we need to have a biblical worldview. So God has expressed to us this type of love with the ultimate gift of what? Sending his son to die on where? The cross, right? He expresses it to us while we're still sinners. He did this for us. We, we, we're just saying the song, Jesus, thank you, right? Once your enemies, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. He did this while we were his enemies, okay? And so because of this, God has expressed his love to us through this event, right, to this moment. So, um, and then the whole Bible is God's love story to us, okay? <clears throat> Old and new, right? <laughs> Old and New Testament. So God, <clears throat> again, uh, um, while, okay, so at that time, right, well, I said well, we were enemies, while we blasphemed his name, while we worshiped false gods, including ourselves. If you didn't, you, know, you say, well, I didn't have a false god before um, I got saved. Yeah, you did. You were your own god. You did what you wanted. You were your own authority. Therefore, you made yourself into an image of a god. Okay? When we do what we want and we don't do what the Lord wants, then we become our own god. Okay? Now, <clears throat> the discussion of love will go all the way through to the end of this chapter. So this is just, I'm just going to talk about a few verses. But this love idea, this thought that the, uh, the Apostle John is, is speaking to us on um, about the love between God and us. Okay, We'll see this all the way through uh, the end of this chapter. The main idea in the next, next 16 verses is that God is the source and definition of love. We need to understand that as we go through this passage, that God is the source and he defines love. Okay? We cannot do it. As we mentioned earlier, it is expressed to us by the giving of, of, uh, of his son in our place as a sacrifice for our sin so that he can express his grace and his mercy to us. Not only that, but give us the Holy Spirit, as we said earlier, and to give us eternal life through this great expression of love. All those things are given to us through this one act of love. So we continue the discussion. We started back in verse 1. Okay, with 
beloved or dear. We see that, okay? So the Apostle uh, John here, he, 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 we see this same introduction here in verse um, uh, 7, okay? He says, beloved, okay, or dear friends, some translations may have. Okay, this phrase is picked up again, we see in verse 7, and then we see it again in verse 11. I'll go through verse 10 today, that'll be my text, and then, but carries the thought process, like I said, all the way through verse 21. Verse 7 through 14 has two parts, uh, which each, uh, each will start with the phrase, beloved, as we said. Verses 7 through 10 is the first part, and 11 through 14 is the second. Uh, today, we'll focus on 7 through 10. Um, the major part of my text is in verse 7, which is, let us love one another. Okay, we'll see that as Christians, um, we are identified through love because we are born of God and have been given life through the one whom God has sent into the world. We will see that God defines love here. All right, so that was the introduction. Let's go ahead and, 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 and jump into the text now. So, <clears throat> beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. So here John resumes the thought of love for one's brother, okay? What he is saying here is that love is a duty, okay? That's what it is. It's a duty. Okay, we are being called to act out our faith. To just say we love everybody is not acting out your faith. Okay? How did God act out his faith towards us or his love towards us? We just read by sending his son for us. Okay? Love comes from God and all those who have been born of God are lovers of God. Okay? Now, unbelievers can love sometimes. Okay? Sometimes they love better even than Christians. Okay? I've seen this. Sometimes, as believers, we are still in the milk, and we don't seek to grow. We don't seek the mind of Christ, okay? Well, because we are made in the image of God, as humans, every one of us have the capacity to love, even in a corrupt mindset, okay? It is written in the heart of every man and woman to love one another because of the moral law, okay? Even without God... We have compassion for each other. We do things for each other. Um, I know before I was a Christian, uh, I was taught morality. As a good young Catholic young man, um, I was taught morality to help people. I was probably more giving as an unbeliever than I am as a believer. But because I was trying to gain merit with God, if I give this, then the Lord will favor me. If I do this, the Lord will favor me. I was doing it to gain merit and not doing it because i am saved okay there's a difference um but again it is written in the heart of every man and woman to love one another because of the moral law that's written in our hearts okay but the love of an unbeliever is not the same kind of love because it has not been given to them by someone of the godhead and what i mean by that is that they fall short of the divine pattern which <clears throat> that love should be from God alone. Only God alone can give true love, okay? Love without Christ cannot save a man, okay? Love without Christ cannot save us. 
no matter how much I love, if the whole world came together and loved, we could not save ourselves. Okay? So true love comes only from Christ. Agape love, okay, only comes from Christ. <clears throat> love alone cannot be a sign of one being born again either. So just because someone looks like they love doesn't really truly mean they're a Christian even if they call themselves one, okay? Um, also, those who proclaim to love everyone and say that they have the love of Christ because that's all they need, right? Have you heard those people before? Oh, we just need to love everybody. We just need to love, okay? But if they're not seeking to know Christ intimately and continue in his word, then they, then there is no unchanged heart, okay? It's a heart issue. You can claim love all you want, but if you have no desire to grow into the truth of God, then Christ says, if you continue my word, you're my true disciple. If you choose to reject that and base your salvation strictly on phileo love, a worldly love that we learned last time when we talked about love cannot even be defined, okay? Again, it's a heart issue, okay? It's an unchanged heart issue. I struggle with this in the contemporary world that we just throw the word love around and there's no, it's a cheap love, okay? It's cheap. It means nothing. It has no value. Satan is the imitator of all things that have value to them. We see that in the church. Satan creates false churches. We see that in our doctrine. He creates false doctrines. In our teachings, false teachings, he is the liar, okay? And because love is so valuable and it can only be truly defined by and through God, then he is also going to imitate love to distract us, to bring us away, okay? Now, let's look at the next half of this verse. Okay, says, and everyone <clears throat> says, be, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. True love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay? With the new birth in Christ <clears throat> comes what? What do we get when we get saved? We have a new heart. Okay? This new heart will reveal God's love through us. Okay? Love and faith cannot be separated. They come together. If you have faith in Christ and what he's done, then you have to have love. If you say you love Christ and his people, then you have to have true believing faith. Okay? There's a difference between faith and true believing faith. Okay? And then it says, what is it in Hebrews, that faith without works is dead? Or is that James? That's James, never mind. Not Hebrews. Ooh. Yeah, faith without works is dead. We show people that our faith is true by our works. We don't get to heaven by our works. We do works because we are going to heaven. That's the difference. Christianity is the only, if you want to call it religion, relationship with God that teaches it this way. It's a relationship. We do works because we're going to heaven, not to get to heaven or to gain merit with God or a God. Okay? The difference. Every other religion in the world is a, is a work-based system. Okay? All right, so love and faith cannot be separated. Uh, one commentator said it's like trying to take away the heat from the sun, okay? You can't separate the heat from the sun. <clears throat> so faith and love must stay together, 
or they come or they're one and the same. So not only that, but to love is to know God. The word know here is an intimate word with God. It's not just to know him like the demons knew him. They knew him, but there's no relationship there. Okay, there's no relationship. Christ did not come to die for the demons and what they did. He came to die for us, humanity. Those that are made in his image, we are image bearers of Christ. He came to die for us, and that's it. So, know here is an intimate know, intimate relationship, is to know God. Know, not only that, but to love is to know God, to have an intimate relationship with him. To, to be able to call him Abba Father, okay? To call him our Father and no longer us, our, his enemy, okay? He has now brought us in, like the song said, we are now seated at his table, okay? Before we were enemies of God. <clears throat> so he has been born of God, that's us, and then this next part is knows God, Right? So, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, okay? Not only that, but to love is to know God, like I mentioned earlier. To have an intimate relationship with Him, to be able to call Him Abba Father, to call Him our Father and no longer our enemy, okay? Now, there are some who do not love or know God. If we look at um, verse 8, let's look at verse 8 real quick. <clears throat> The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay? And then, um, I think I put the wrong reference there. Let me see. I think I was supposed to go up to the beginning of chapter 4. Yep, I, put, I typed up the wrong reference. That's okay. But anyways, we have to know God intimately. Okay? We have to know Him intimately. And the only way we can do that is by knowing His love. Now, if we look at verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. The lack of love shows us that one is not saved because God is love. Obviously, right? You know, like father, like son, you've heard that phrase. If God is love and we claim to be his children and we don't have this love, then we're probably not his children or we need to work on our sanctification, right? <clears throat> so our God is a loving God, therefore to be transformed by him will result in being transformed into a loving person, okay? To be transformed by him is to be transformed into a loving person. <clears throat> God's love takes over our nature and he transforms us. You know, we become a new man as we mentioned earlier um, our thoughts change. Our perspective changes. We look at everything differently now. Okay? Love is God's nature. This is not something He just created, but this is who He is. This is part of His nature. <clears throat> in the world, there is no such thing as true love. But in God, we can have true love because He is the source of it. As I mentioned earlier, God is the source of true love. I mean, if you take out this agape love and God's love, and we begin to look at love, like I did last time I searched it on the internet, and everybody has an answer for love. But at the end of every paper that I read, it would say, but we truly don't know, right? Everybody explained love in their own way, but God is the source of love, and he tells us this agape love, okay? The Greeks... 
our current day culture, they don't have the agape love. Back in the day or in our current culture, we're still trying to figure it out. <clears throat> so, love is God's nature. It's who he is. In the world, there is no such thing as true love. But in God, we can have true love because he is the source of it. Okay? He is the source because it is his nature. Like I mentioned, this is why before we were saved, we had something missing. If you remember that, go look, at, look back at your time before you were a Christian. There's always this empty spot. You did all these things. You were out in the world. You know, you tried to fill it with whatever it was, but you can never fill this void. Okay? You can never fill it. I know me as an unbeliever tried all kinds of things in the world, but yet I still came up empty-handed. I remember um, mentoring and, and, and talking to some friends about my life. They're like, Ray, I want what you have. You have your life so it seems like it's so just in order. And I begin to tell them why it's in order, right? Why I am this way is because Christ has changed my heart. But they're like, well, but I don't want that. I'm not ready for that right now. Okay, I'm not ready for that. Well, then why are you complaining? You asked me, I gave it to you, and now you reject it. And that's okay. Um, but anyways, this is what we see, right? We try all these things in the world, but the world has nothing to offer to fill that void. Okay? Until one day, we were regenerated by God and His love, and it changed it all. It did for me, and it should for you. It changes it all. <clears throat> then we look at uh, the last phrase in this verse here, in verse 8. It says, then we have uh, this, this, this note here. God is love. The Apostle John also, in verse 5, says, I mean, chapter 1, verse 5, says, God is light. And in John 4, 24, the Gospel of John says that God is spirit. Okay? But here we are talking about his personality, his nature, Right? This is a personality. Not only is it, it describes him, but this is what he does. This is part of his personality. Okay? All of God's actions are loving. You're like, wait a minute, he judged us. Yes, that is loving. To do the right thing because we are sins or because we've broken the law and to judge us, to condemn us, that is the right thing. An example of our current day world is somebody murdered one of your children. And you stood in front of the, the judge. And the judge said, you know what? It's okay. You know, don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you. You can go, you know, to the murderer. But if it was my kid, I'd be like, no, 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 that's not true justice. I want justice. The law says if they do this, then this must be done. And it's the same thing here. Okay, God is a true and righteous judge. So God is love. <clears throat> and all of God's actions are loving. One commentator by the name of uh, Barnett, uh, Barrett, I'm sorry, Barrett calls him. He says, this phrase here is the greatest words ever spoken in human speech. The greatest words in the whole Bible, God is love. It is impossible to suggest, even in briefest outline, all that these words contain. For no human and no created intellect has ever or will ever fathom their unfathomable meaning, but we may reverently say that this one sentence concerning God contains the key to all God's works and way, the mystery of creation, redemption, and the being of God himself. End quote. 
So no man has ever been deemed or proclaimed to be love. Okay? Nobody. Have you ever heard that? Hey, I'm love. I'm love. Have you heard that? No. Okay? Even John the Apostle is not the loved one. He is the one who Jesus loved. Okay? It doesn't say John the Apostle who loved Jesus. It says John who, whom Jesus loved. Okay? It's always coming down at, down at us. We have nothing to offer. Okay? We cannot truly love because even in our regenerate state, we're still stained with sin. It's not pure. It's not holy. So now, let's go to the next text, verse 9. So God sent his son so we might live. Okay? By this, the love of God was manifested in us. It was among us, it was in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. What does this sound like, church? This language, does it sound familiar to you all? Hmm? John 3.16, right? Church, John 3.16, is the same guy who wrote it many years ago, okay? He writes the epistle, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The text here says, by this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we may live through him. Okay? John 3.16, we'll come back to this a little bit later. So let's look at this verse from three perspectives. The where... Was God's love revealed? How God revealed his love and why God revealed his love towards us. So the first one, where? Where did God reveal his love? <clears throat> we look at John 1.14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? And we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We look at Acts 117. He says, For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. So where was God's love revealed? It was revealed among us, right? Among us. Christ came and was among us and knew and now even in us. Okay? Christ did not come to a special people. In private or in secret, he came and dwelt among both the righteous and the unrighteous. Remember the Pharisees and Sadducees were giving Christ a hard time because he was hanging out with the sinners. Zacchaeus, Matthew the tax collector, he was hanging out with them and they gave him a hard time. When Christ was crucified, it was done out in the open as well. They didn't crucify him out in a corner somewhere. For, to a private little group of people, okay? It was done on the open so that all could see what took place, okay? There is no question, that way there's no question about it. Not like our, some of our modern day cults that speak to them in private, you know? There's, this, there's this some who claim that they got these scrolls or this message from God or an angel, but it's their word against their word, that's it. But here Christ has come and dwelt among us. He has tabernacled with us. He has walked 
with the saved and the unsaved, and then he died in front of the saved and the unsaved, so that way all could see, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, the whole world, okay? Christ died for the whole world, but his death has only applied to those who put their faith and trust in him. And on the other side, if you don't, then you will be condemned by rejecting what God has done for the world. Okay. God came to all so all could see him. Christ was crucified among us all so we could see him. So this is the, <clears throat> the where he did it among us. Okay, He revealed his love to us. Okay, God just in heaven alone without mankind could not reveal his love. He could not exercise this attribute. Didn't mean he didn't have it, but we would never know if God was truly love. So now, because mankind is here, we needed a savior, God got to uh, reveal to us one of his attributes, which is love. And because of this, God is able to reveal this. Also, he's able to reveal his grace and his mercy. He couldn't do that in, in the perfect heaven. But here, because mankind has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he is able to reveal and expose his grace, his mercy, and his love to us. You get what I'm saying here? He's expressing all of his attributes into the fullest because in heaven he couldn't do it. But here, because of us, he can do it. This is a beautiful thing. <clears throat> now, how did God reveal his love? Okay. So where did God reveal it and how? So, can anyone guess how God revealed his love to us? He sent us his one and only son, right? Through Christ. That's what I, exactly what I have. He sent his one and only son into the world. Thank you, Chris. Yes. He sent his one. And it's important, not just he sent one or he sent uh, only one or only son but his, his one and only son just differentiates him from every other false god in the world, okay? He sent his one and only son into the world. In eternity past, the triune God made a plan that the Father would send his son to die for mankind and that the Holy Spirit would dwell with them until he returned. That's what Stephen's been talking about, the Holy Spirit with the children, the Holy Spirit is now in us until he returns. It's a promise ring, okay? When you propose to a woman, you give them a ring. That's what the Holy Spirit is. To show that I'm going to come back, that I'm committed to you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit, okay? He didn't have to do that. The Christ love and the, uh, the cross was, was enough, but we needed a guide, we needed a helper, so the Lord sent it to us. Just like when he gave man the woman, he said, you need a helper. Now, after the cross, we need a helper, the Holy Spirit. But that's all of us now. <laughs> Back then, he saw the man needed help. <laughs> all right. So, as Chris mentioned, he sent his one and only son into the world. 
Now, the next part is why did God reveal his love towards us? Okay, why did he do that? He did that so that we may live. Let's look at 1 John 3.14. Turn your pages, look over. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we have, I mean, because we love the brothers. The one who does not love abides in death. So God reveals his love towards us so that we may live, and by living we reveal the love of God to our brothers in Christ. Okay? Interesting. Let's look at Ephesians. Hold your spot there, but let's go look at Ephesians really quick. This is so important. So important. Um, Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses, in your transgressions and sin. Okay? This was all of us. We were all dead in which you formerly walked. Okay? You walked as a dead man. Okay? According to the course of this world. Okay? You were going along with the world dead. According to the rule of the power of the air, the spirit that is now walking in the sons of obedience, among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. We used to do the things of the lust of the flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, we were children of wrath, even as the rest. Then it says, but God, being rich and mercy, see, God is rich in mercy, but he couldn't express it to us, but because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us at the right, uh, uh, seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show. Again, he was rich in mercy, but he could not show it yet. But now he can show his mercy. He might show the, the, the surprising riches of his grace and kindness towards us. His grace and mercy is revealed towards us. Then you have the great passage of, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Okay? So God, we were dead, and now he does this so that we might live. But we can only live because he lives, because he is true love, and now we have to express that to each other. One um, commentator, Robert Yarbrough, he says, A major purpose behind God sending his son into the world is so that through faith in him, through faith in Christ, as we read in Ephesians, people might receive life that produces love. Okay? Does your life produce true love? Not just any love, not a phileo love, but an agape love. Agape love. The word agape was not used by the old te- uh, New World Testament people. It was used, Christ came in, he snatched up the word, and it's applied to himself. It might have been used once or twice here and there, but after the resurrection, it is used in a whole different way towards us and God, towards us.
Let's look at verse 10. All right. Here's the definition of love. In this is love. Okay, here it is. Not that we have loved God. Okay, we can't love God. We were dead in our sins. Remember what Ephesians said. But that he loved us. Again, while we were yet his enemies. He loved us. And then he sent his son to be the propitiation or the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is great love, okay? There is no true definition of true love which does not begin with God's love. Every other love out there is a false love. We cannot approach God by our understanding of what we think love is, okay? And that's what you see with these people today. Okay, we get, they get it confused. Okay, so today most people confuse God's common grace. Do you know what common grace is? Okay, common grace is like walking out outside. God gives us the sun. He gives everybody the sun to see, to feel the warmth. Okay, everybody, saved and unsaved. He gives us the clouds to give us shade. Who? Saved and the unsaved. He gives us relationships with each other. Saved and the unsaved. This is God's common grace. A grace He gives everybody. It's not grace for salvation, but it's showing His grace to all of mankind. Okay? But what happens is that we mistake in this common grace for God and His and God's patience. We're mistaking it for His true love. And so then we're like, yeah, God is you know, love. God is everywhere. Look what He's doing for us. That is common grace. This is not that agape love that he's talking about here. What God has done for mankind in their state of rebellion while we were enemies, God pardons our sins against himself at his own cost. The propitiation of sin. God pardons our sins against himself at his own cost. Christ died for you. He died for me. At his own cost. He didn't ask you for anything. He didn't ask me for anything. The only thing that we have to offer is sin. And that's it. Okay? So church, a few thousand years ago, God created the earth, the universe, all that is what we see today. And right in the middle of this earth, he placed a garden. And he placed Adam and Eve in it. They were not told, or they were told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, that was in the center of this garden. Eventually, Satan came out, tempted Eve to take a bite. Adam was there next to her as she was doing it. She reaches over, hands it to him, he takes a bite. And then sin came into the world through them. But Adam, because he was the first Adam, the first mankind, he represents us. And because he is a sinner, then we are all sinners, okay? So he now represents us. But God is holy. He's perfect. And now that mankind is stained with sin, this relationship was broken. So God came and he revealed his love through us. The only way we can restore the relationship we had before Adam and Eve sinned is to to come through Christ. God demands a sacrifice for our sins, a perfect sacrifice, not just any sacrifice, but a perfect sacrifice. 
So no one out there could bear the weight of sin. No one out there could take the sacrifice for all mankind. So God came in the flesh, both 100% man and 100% God. The God-man, Jesus Christ. I can't explain that, but that's what he did. He came as a baby, and eventually he died on the cross for us. He was examined and evaluated, and God said, um, I mean, there was found no, no sin in Christ. And because he was the perfect man, then he could die for us. And because he was God, he could bear all the sins of the world. He didn't have to die for each one of us individually at a different time for every one of us. But he did it one time, once and for all, for all of mankind. So because he was God, he could bear that. And because he was man, he, could be, he, was, he was the perfect man, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb. Okay, then eventually he goes to the cross, he was crucified, he was buried, and he was resurrected. And because of that, God can now, he, 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 um, he sent his love, he revealed his love to us that way, and now he can act it out, okay, in us. And we can now act it out through him, in us, through the Holy Spirit, okay, and so again, I just want to remind you that the love of God, it goes back to Genesis. It goes back all the way before the creation of the world. He knew this was going to happen. So they made a plan. And now God has, has, has uh, revealed his plan to us. And guess what? We are all part of it. The saved and the unsaved. The righteous and the unrighteous. We are all part of that plan. And because this is God's creation, he can do what he wants with it, okay? There is nothing right or wrong unless God says it is right or wrong, okay? So if God condemns all mankind to hell because we sin and, God, and Adam represents us. But yet God sends his son to die on the cross for us all. But only those who put their faith and trust in him get to take advantage of what he did on the cross, that's the most loving thing that God has ever done. And he expressed it in his fullest when his son died on the cross for you and I. Okay? So please think about that. Evaluate it. And uh, you'll find that that is truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come today, Lord, to give you thanks for just all that you are, Lord. Um, I just feel inadequate, Lord, to talk about your love today. And there's, there's nothing I could say, Lord, to really truly express what it really means. And I apologize to that, Lord, for I'm just a, a feeble little man, Lord. And I just um, uh, I hope, Lord, that people saw what you did for us, Lord, that we explained it right, Lord, and that we taught it right. Lord, I pray for the truth of your love. Help us, Lord, to grow into your love, to mature in you, to grow in you, to share it, Lord, with everybody else. And help us, Lord, to be faithful because we live through you because of this love. Help us to love more like you, Lord, agape love. Not the, wor- not the, the, the worldly love, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see the truth that your love is what gives us life, what's taken us out of hell, what's given us a way out of hell, 
And God, I just ask that uh, you just be with us, Lord, as we continue to grow and mature in you. We pray in your name. Amen.